we are live. Uh, welcome, everybody. Um, we are Community Mental Health Care, and this is our Ask Us Anything. Um, and again, we are live, so uh, we invite people to uh, make comments in the uh, comment section, ask questions. Uh, we're here to answer those questions. Um, if you've seen the advertisement, we did ask uh, people to submit questions. So if you did that, we appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> my name is Miles Riley. I'm the director of uh, marketing and fundraising at Community Mental Health Care. Uh, I'm joined with Gwen Malkwit, who's the behavioral health uh, clinical director, and Stephanie Vinci. If you're uh, a Doverite, uh, you may be familiar with her. She uh, is a school-based counselor uh, in the Dover City School District. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Get Level Podcast Network uh, for producing this. They're behind the scenes. You can't see them, uh, but for setting this up and making us look uh, as good as we possibly could. Um, so we're going to jump in pretty quickly here, uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about CMH and Community Family Health Center. Um, we've been around for 50 years, uh, providing psychiatric services, individual group counseling, uh, school-based counseling, child and adult case management, substance abuse treatment, 24-7 crisis intervention, and we also have primary care and dental services, uh, and those services are for all ages. Um, so one of the reasons why we wanted to start this or do this live podcast, I guess it's a podcast, it's a live event, um, is there are a lot of questions. It seems there's more questions than answers right now with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, with schools opening or closing or not opening. Uh, there's a lot of questions surrounding that. So we wanted to address uh, parents and guardians uh, who may have questions about uh, mental health services and school-based counseling um, and you know, some of the answers we have, some of them we don't, uh, but we'll do our best to get through those questions. So I'm going to start with Gwen uh, here in the middle. Um, SCMH, we provide counseling and psychiatric services. Correct. Um, can you explain a little bit what the difference is between counseling and psychiatric services are? Sure. So uh, psychiatric services uh, are uh, providers that are looking at medication-based uh, treatments. So these are going to be uh, those providers that can prescribe uh, a medication. Now there's still, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of talking that goes goes on in in, in those uh, those appointments. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, walking in. Here's your your pills and you leave. Um, but that's the, the the general goal is to uh, evaluate the need for medication and prescribe medication. Uh, counseling is is that talking that back and forth. Um, so they're not uh, providers that are uh, able to prescribe medications. They're really there to identify uh, what problems are going on, uh, coping strategies to deal with those problems, uh, and uh, you know maybe making referrals to other services. Okay, and they work hand in hand. Absolutely. So if you're working with a, a nurse practitioner or a doctor, yeah. um, you're going to be working with a counselor as well to yeah. kind of. Uh, yeah, the, communicate back and forth. Right, and that's a good point. Right. All the services we have, whether it's case management, uh, group counseling, dental, medical, right. all work together, which is really the beauty of having all of those services uh, under the same roof. Right, and that's something that over the last five years or so, we've tried to uh, make the standard and in the, in the, the practice for all of our services is uh, what we call a holistic approach. Yeah. Um, and that's for adults and for children uh, with adding primary care and dental um, you know, there's so many, uh, there's a correlation between the physical health and the behavioral health side. Uh, so we're able to offer those services, like you said, under one roof. Um, so, uh, you know, quite honestly, it's just easier, 
uh, and a better treatment program. Yeah, it's, it's a one-stop shop. And right. it, like you said, holistic. And that's really an identified best practice. Uh, you can't really effectively treat one uh, part of the body without treating the other. And, right. you know, even with mental illness, the brain's a part of the body. Right. Get sick too. Yeah. You know? We'll talk a little bit about that later. Somebody had asked about that. So um, when I, at the beginning, I kind of rattled off a lot of our services and obviously one of them is school-based counseling. Um, can you explain, uh, Stephanie, a little bit more uh, what school-based counseling is, how that works? Sure. Uh, school-based counseling uh, came out of um, wa the state of Washington. That's where it was first uh, developed and the services were provided. And then it sort of traveled across the country. Um, and it was, it came about because of uh, difficulty um, with working parents uh, transporting their children back and forth um, to an agency, um, uh, you know, after work hours or uh, getting children to an agency during the school day. They would miss uh, a big chunk of a school day, if not the whole school day. So uh, that's sort of how it um, originated, and it uh, was very successful um, in meeting the needs of children and families. So it's it's really no different than uh, mental health counseling that you would receive in an outpatient agency. It's just uh, the location that the service is provided. It's right there uh, in the school building during the school day. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so paired with that, so there's school-based counseling, but there's also... Uh, case management that goes along with that. Right. Um, a lot of people don't know exactly what case management is right. uh, for either adults or children. Uh, I think they kind of exist in the same universe, but uh, talking specifically with children, how does that case management program uh, operate? Case management is um, an additional service that I just kind of refer to it as a booster session. So um, the uh, provider is still working on uh, similar um, skill building, that we might be working on in session, uh, in the counseling session. Uh, so they, they just kind of reinforce uh, the skills that we are learning in counseling. They can also do other, um, it, there is a lot of overlap. So they can do other, uh, provide the service in other areas as well. So outside of the school building. So they can, um, actually rehearse the skill, you know, live. So they could take the child to a library and practice, you know, social skills of, um, you know, speaking to an adult, waiting in line, taking turns, requesting a book. Uh, so they, you can actually put the skills in use, which I think is a, a great service to have. Yeah. So. You're kind of touching on some, on, on some of the other questions that I have here. Um, with school-based counseling and case management, um, what are some identifying uh, characteristics or displays of behavior uh, that a parent or a guardian might identify in the child uh, that would make them think or, or want to pursue these services? Uh, if you're seeing um, a lot of like what I call school refusal, um, so uh, fear, you know, a fear of going to school, missing a lot of school, um, uh, a lot of tardies, uh, getting to school late, uh, that might be an indicator uh, that there's there's more going on. Um, really, any type of uh, behavioral issues, uh, such as like um, defiance, um, very argumentative behaviors, 
uh, would all be indicators of something you might want to pursue uh, in more depth. So now those are very closely tied to actually going to school and showing up at school. Right. Um, so I guess the big question that people are having now is if we aren't doing the traditional showing up to school or if we're doing virtual uh, classes and things like that, um, that kind of leaves the parent in a lurch. You know, uh, they don't have that immediate connection to uh, say you being present in, present in the school uh, or, or a principal or a teacher. Um, how would they, I guess there's a lot of questions that go along with that and there's a lot of unknowns that go with that. So I'm not expecting to have all the answers, but um, if you're sitting at home and let's say we do um, online courses or, or partial in-class classes, mm -hmm. um, how would a parent reach out or, or find uh, you? Well, they will still be um, able to uh, contact their um, you know, school teacher. They can ask for, um, you know, how to get in touch with us. Um, the student advocate is still working. So through, um, you know, those Google classrooms, they would still have access uh, to teachers to um, connect uh, them to me. Uh, they can call the office directly um, and, and ask to speak to me and set up a session. Okay. Um, and I think these questions are very much uh, pointed toward parents and guardians, but you mentioned teachers as well mm -hmm. uh, and people in the schools. Um, sometimes they're the ones that see it first Absolutely. or see the displays of it before a parent sometimes does. Mm -hmm. um, so what power, I guess, does a teacher or a school staff person have uh, in making a recommendation that a student uh, should maybe seek services? Uh, I would say they have quite a bit. I mean, ultimately, uh, it is up to the parent because the child is a minor. Uh, so they have to consent to the treatment. But um, I, I, what I have seen working in the Dover school systems is that the teachers and the administrators work really well together um, to, you know, talk to the parents and, and, you know, over a course of several times, multiple times reaching out to parents to try to bring them on board. Um, and make that phone call because it is, you know, there are so many uh, stereotypes about counseling and mental health services. So there can be, you know, quite a bit of resistance for parents to make that first call. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times parents don't see it because children are very good at, you know, covering it up. They don't want to burden their parents or worry them. So they, you know, a lot of parents are completely blindsided by the phone call. So it's, uh, it's, it's challenging. Being out in the community in my role, and just because we're live um, and you're wearing a mask, yes. you're doing a way better job than Gwen and I here. Um, <laughs> if you could get a, make sure you're close to the mic so everybody can hear you because what you're saying is really good stuff. So, okay. um, but the, I guess the, again, continuing with that, um, having been out in the community and talked to parents uh, over, over our booth and, and people come up and talk to me uh, and they kind of are surprised that they're, uh, that they qualify for services or that they can access our services. Uh, the, whether we talk about barriers all the time in, in, in our field, right? Um, so why are people not getting to these services? Um, and there are a, a ton of, and there's and many people are, as there are in the world, there are reasons why they think that they can't. Um, but I would say probably overwhelmingly, and I'll, I'll point this one at you, Gwen, um, 
insurance uh, seems to be uh, one of the things that, you know, if they're on Medicaid or, or whatever, they may not realize that uh, those services are available to them. Can you talk a little bit more about um, accessibility uh, and what insurances um, and coverages that we accept? Sure. Uh, I, I think that's uh, one a of- closer to the mic, if you could. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think that is uh, one of the uh, serious benefits that, that we can offer the community is that uh, we make that as small a barrier as, as possible. So we take Medicaid, uh, Medicare, most uh, commercial or, or private insurances, uh, but uh, we also have a sliding fee scale. Uh, so for people that don't have insurance, uh, what you're paying for services is based uh, on your income. Okay. And that's, that's for all, uh, that's for both our, our behavioral health services and the, the medical and dental as right. well. Um, and the other thing too, um, Gabrielle, I see your question here and I'll, I'll get that to you, uh, get to you in a second. Um, I think at this point, it's safe to say that, that you know, we service Tuscross and Carroll counties. Um, but I think just about every school district, at least there's a big push, uh, has some sort of school-based counseling or, or contract with somebody who's providing that. Not all, but I think in Tuscross and Carroll County, uh, between the agencies, uh, we've, we've covered everybody. Uh, CMH, just for a, a shameless plug here, um, I will say the, the schools that we are involved with, um, we're in Dover City Schools, obviously, um, uh, New Philly, City Schools, Tuscarora Central Catholic, uh, Carrollton Exemptive Village Schools, uh, Carroll Hills, Malvern, Buckeye Career Center, and all Head Starts in Tuscarora and Carroll County. So just get that out there so everybody knows um, uh, if they want to call, if they have questions about that. Um, I'll say it now. It's 330-343-6631. Just give us a call uh, and we'll get you pointed in the right direction there. And Harrison County, too, for Head Start. Great community out there. Okay. I, I need to update our website then. <laughs> and can I also, speaking about funding, I have to give a shout out to our uh, Adams board who uh, they were contacted to see about any possible funding for those folks who fell between the cracks where their insurance uh, wouldn't cover a particular service for a child. And uh, they jumped right on that and got us uh, a pot of funding to use for those children. So that was just remarkable. Yeah, we, we have a pretty good system set up there, uh, including care teams and things like that yes. who gather uh, on a monthly basis via Zoom um, to kind of do a wraparound service as a community. So it doesn't really matter uh, if there was CMH or, or one of the other agencies in the area. Um, you know, we're all coming together, making sure that no kid falls through the, through the cracks. Um, and I think here in the last couple of years, we've done a really good job uh, making sure of that. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, Gwen, I'm gonna ask you, um, Again, we've been student focused or child adolescent focused. Um, we're technically on summer break, but the summer break started a long time ago. And <laughs> I'm sure for- melting together. Yeah, yeah. For sure for parents right now, it feels like it's been a lifetime. Um, and that has an effect on, on, that has an effect on students, uh, but also has an effect on adults as well, uh, the ones who are caring for them. Um, it's common for parents to feel overwhelmed and feel stressed. Sure. Um, what, what are some coping mechanisms or some, some alleyways that they can uh, explore um, to help them through that? Well, I, I mean, it's, it's really dependent on what resources an individual has. You know, some people have the benefit of uh, a lot of friends, a lot of family to, to rely on, um, to support them. 
Uh, and, and others might feel uh, pretty alone and they might be alone. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's, it's always that, that question, I think, at what point uh, do I need to see a professional? At what point is this more than I can handle on my own? Uh, and what I've always said is, is I think that if you're at that point where you're starting to question if you need professional help, you probably do. Right. Uh, and maybe, you know, the first call they're making isn't to, to us or another mental health agency. Maybe that first call is to their, their family practitioner. Uh, and, uh, you know, all medical professionals are, are trained to do basic mental health screenings. So, you know, maybe that's where they start. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if, if someone is at that point where they're questioning it, uh, good chance that, that it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to see a professional. Right. Um, but you know, like, like Stephanie said, you know, I, I, some parents are, are rather resistant, uh, when they hear, uh, that their child's having, uh, difficulty and it's, that's not surprising. You know, I mean, we, we invest everything we are and everything we have into our children. So, you know, I think some parents can see it as a personal, uh, failure, you know, if their child is, is having problems or behaviors. And, and, you know, I think there's that mindset. If I were a better parent, they wouldn't be having these problems or, you know, I can fix this on my own. Um, and, and that's just, that's just not the case. You can be the best family, best parent ever and still have a child, uh, that's struggling, especially in, in times like we've been going through, which is just totally unprecedented. Uh, so, you know, you have kids that are, are going through things they've never gone through. You have parents, that, and again, you can love your children with all your heart, but if you're with them 24 seven, no break, trying to be mom, dad, teacher, activities coordinator, all rolled into one, heavens, you know, it's, it's completely understandable that people are gonna struggle. Yeah, not to mention <clears throat> being locked in or, or not as, yeah, you know, not having basketball courts available and things like right, that, and right. all of a sudden, you know, home is the playground. Yeah. So. Um, we have a question in our live feed here. Um, it's a little long, so I'm just going to read it. Um, and thank you for joining us. Um, Gabrielle asks, um, in the current state of things, especially with potentially heightened mental health issues for a lot of people, uh, what are some of the uh, best warning signs uh, for parents, uh, school administrators, and even friends of those adolescents that the subject may need help or may just, that they may need to seek help? Uh, specifically what changes in warning signs might we see with the things being very at home based at this time. So we kind of addressed that a little bit, but uh, if you want to talk a little bit more about warning signs or, or uh, maybe common um, issues that, that a child may have. Uh, I would say um, looking for sort of um, duration and intensity fluctuation in behaviors. So, um, you know, that are, kind of uh, long-term or long-lasting. So sudden outbursts, frequent outbursts that are uh, not, you know, the normal way that your typical way that your child uh, would function. Um, and, and if the, those behaviors, you know, continue for a period of time and you try touching base with the child, um, talking to them, talking to their, their contacts, if nothing seems to be, uh, helping, I, I would call sooner rather than later. Um, you know, therapy doesn't have to be, you know, years long. You can come in, you can have a couple of sessions, get back on track, 
and and to hear from the professional where you think, okay, I, danger has been averted. Uh, I don't think we're, you know, seeing anything serious here, and you know, you can go on your way. You know, uh, kind of thing could be very comforting. So um, I would, I, I guess, to answer that question, I would just look for you know drastic changes in behavior, um, whether they're outbursts. Um, anxiousness, you know, picking, um, uh, picking at, you know, parts of their body, um, fidgeting, um, excessive, you know, activity, um, act, uh, lack of sleep or sleeping too much. Um, it's, it's uh, concerning because a lot of those, you know, behaviors, sleep, um, mood swings are typical for teens. That's kind of a developmental stage that they go through. So it is um, challenging to weed, weed it out. Um, but, you know, call in, call the crisis center, talk to somebody there and, and uh, go over your concerns and um, get a recommendation, kind of go from there. Yeah, it sounds like <clears throat> if you do have a concern or if you do have a, you know, if you think that warning signs is part of your, your thought process at this point. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of goes back to what Gwen says. If you think that you may need to talk to somebody, the phone's available, you know, mm -hmm. we're always available. Um, it's okay to call and ask questions that you may think are dumb, but they could actually mean something very much, yes. uh, you know, could have a real impact down the road. So yeah. and um, that was a great suggestion she made about the crisis line. Uh, you know, if you're not quite to that point where you want to make a, a full blown appointment, uh, the crisis line, you know, doesn't have to be uh, used because you're in a crisis. It, it can be also used as an information line. Right. Uh, so they're a great resource. Gwen, what are the numbers for the crisis line, <laughs> that 24-7 crisis line? It is 330-343-1811. That's in Tuscross County. And then Carroll County, we also provide that service. Yes. And that number is? It's not fair, Miles. I can't remember <laughs> numbers that well. <laughs> Well, we'll pull that up here um, and get that answer for you because we have the. Uh, I know it's six two seven. Well, that's five. No kidding. One something <laughs> something. Boy, that was rough. Put me on the spot. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. So again, Tuscross hotline is three three zero three four three eighteen eleven, and then Carroll County the hotline is three three zero six two seven five two four zero. I was 99% sure. You were pretty I knew close. It. Yeah. It's not a number you want to give out wrongs. <laughs> right. I'll give out your cell phone number. Um, so, was it been four months, five months now? Um, walking into the front door uh, was how you access services. Um, now it's a little bit different. Um, as you can tell with Stephanie wearing her mask uh, and, and all the social distancing and antibacterial gel and all these things. Uh, obviously there are some major safety concerns being face to face. Uh, there are a lot of unknowns in that, um, but we've had to adapt our services and delivery methods. Um, one of the ways that we've done that is uh, implementing telehealth. Um, Gwen, do you want to go again and talk a little bit about telehealth and what that means? Sure, sure. Uh, and and you're, this is something you're going to see in, in most uh, uh, most service organizations now, but there's the option uh, of conducting uh, your appointment, your session uh, over the phone or uh, by by video. Um, and, and that is, you know, a much more comfortable option for a lot of people. Uh, now, we still do have the option of face to face. Uh, 
uh, if that's what that individual is most comfortable with or if that's what's required. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the telehealth option uh, is a way that, that I think breaks down a lot of barriers. Uh, you know, that, that ability to access services is critical. Uh, we want people to be able, you know, I, this is something we know is that by the time people finally make that decision to get help, that's usually been a, a decision a long time coming. Uh, so they've probably already waited maybe longer than they should have. So when they, when they make that call and they want to get in to see us, we want it to happen as soon as possible. Uh, and, and telehealth has been, uh, been a great option for folks uh, that, that need to get in and need to get in quick. Right. And we're providing um, that telehealth service for primary care and behavioral health services very difficult to do telehealth dental services. Uh, so we're, we're going to try. <laughs> we did uh, a few, about a month and a half or so ago, maybe even more. Um, it seems like time doesn't exist right now, but um, uh, we are seeing people uh, for dental services as well. Just get that out there. And that is for all ages. Um, so I want to go back a little bit um, and Gabrielle asked another question, very inquisitive, thank you, um, to crisis lines. Uh, her question is, is it okay for teens to call the crisis line or are there issues because they are, mi they are minors uh, where parents or guardians have to give permission for them to speak to a counselor? No, they can right. absolutely call the crisis line, yeah. absolutely. Now, and depending on what happens from there, there might be uh, you know, issues where we might need consent, but to call the crisis line and talk, Absolutely, yes, they can call without without consent. Yeah, and there are other resources too nationally as well. Uh, the National uh, Suicide Hotline uh, is one of them. Uh, there's a crisis text line that's been, um, mm -hmm. uh, we've been trying to push that uh, as well. Um, and if uh, any kid has a cell phone, and they almost all do, um, for better or worse, uh, the text line is 741741, uh, and that connects them to a crisis counselor. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they're local. Uh, the nice thing about calling yes. our crisis line uh, is that they're going to talk to somebody in Tuscarawas or Carroll County, um, and the chance of getting face-to-face -face is much higher, uh, especially in a, in a heightened crisis situation. So, um, good question. Thank you. Um, okay, so school-based counseling, um, again, very much face-to-face. Um, how, how has, now that we're in the summer, uh, that doesn't mean that services don't, uh, don't stop. I mean, we, we don't just get okay during the summer. So you're still seeing, uh, that treatment happens through the summer, right? Yes. And you're also doing telehealth that way. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and case management's also offered that way, correct? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, another question, um, and I think one of the big gaps in the area, um, is child psychiatry or psych services for children. Oh my goodness, I messed that up. Uh, uh, psych services for children. Correct. Um, it's a... Gwen, talk to us about that. <laughs> Sorry, I lost it's... my words on that one, but. <laughs> it's not a gap anymore. It's not a gap That's anymore. That's what I can right? say. This is kind of breaking news as of. It is. About 11 o'clock today. Headline so. news. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> Buried the lead on this one. <laughs> Yes. So starting the week of the 27th, July 27th, uh, we will be offering uh, child psychiatric services. 
so anyone who is in the know, uh, just like Miles said, yes, this has been a, a big gap in this, in this county for a long time. Uh, and children, uh, parents that have children that need, perhaps need medication, uh, have been pretty much forced out of county to go <clears throat> find that service. So it's going to be here. Uh, Dale Lachance uh, is our uh, certif certified nurse practitioner, advanced, right. advanced nurse practitioner. Ooh. Is that the actual term? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yes, he has, uh, he has a lot of experience working with kids, uh, and uh, that will be an open service. Yeah. Dale's been a great asset to CMH. Yes. Um, and I think um, opening the service, Carrollton as well. Correct. So he'll be available in Carrollton. Um, on some days, and I think we're still working on the scheduling and where the needs are. Yes. Um, but um, both Tosca and Carol, though. Yeah. Yep. So if you have questions about that, um, again, just drop the number uh, in case somebody drops in now uh, or haven't, haven't been following us from the beginning. Um, our main phone line is 330-343-6631. I know one time I'm going to give my cell phone out and it's going to be awful. <laughs> I'm uh, going to laugh. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> So we have telehealth, um, but not every case uh, that doesn't work for everybody. No. Um, there are some diagnoses where face-to-face um, -face, uh, services have to be uh, delivered, not just dental, but behavioral health as well. Um, how does that process work? Um, I would say both you know, in our main offices, but also when you're working out in the community. Um, I'll, Stephanie, you've been quiet for a while. I'll let you. <laughs> talk about the school-based and how that's working face-to-face. -face. Uh, right. We are still providing services face-to-face, uh, -face, um, which is why I'm wearing my mask, because the majority of my um, students I do see live uh, in, in person. Um, so I want to protect them as much as um, you know, protecting myself. So uh, I still have individual sessions at the office. Um, I do offer uh, telehealth as well. Uh, for those that prefer that, uh, and we still have groups. We have um, a group program for little ones that we run three days a week, and that's face-to-face. -face. Uh, it's an eight-week program, and uh, we also have um, the uh, case managers run a group uh, every Monday. Well, it was every Monday through uh, June, and I think one Monday in uh, July that they took kids out to Camp Muskingum and had a lot of um, interventions and activities for them. So that was, uh, that was all live as well, obviously. So lots of face-to-face -face is still going on. That the Camp Muskingum is in Carroll County. Correct. Um, and we do provide uh, transportation services yes. uh, through case management. Yes. Right, so um, that's, is that full right now or is there, are there uh, open spots for that at this point? For the Camp Muskingum group? Right. Uh, no, there are open spots. Okay. So again, if you have questions about that, our number is 330-343-6631. Um, and you call that main number and, and they'll connect you to the people uh, that you need to. Um, so we've gotten through pretty much, we've, 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 by answering other questions, we've answered a lot of the other questions. Um, I would say, let's I have a couple more here. Oh, um, if you have a child uh, who's involved in several different systems, uh, whether it's JFS, juvenile courts, um, there are other programs uh, in the community that they may be involved with, 
What is CMH's role in that? And how do we work with those, those children who are in multiple programs? That is um, a good question. That's the other component, the other piece of the case management service, which I neglected to say earlier. Uh, they are the ones who really um, communicate with all those different um, agencies, um, and keep the communication um, ongoing, keep everyone in the loop, uh, you know, connect back to the therapist so that all the information is being uh, consistent. Um, and if, uh, conversely, if a child needs other services in the community, that's what a case manager will do. Also, they can link them to agents, uh, other agencies. Okay. Um, I want to get more, uh, COVID-19 specific, um, I think right now there's a lot of, uh, there may be fear, there may be questions, there may be doubts. There are all those, uh, if you're on social media, you know this. Um, what if for, for younger kids, I'm thinking uh, with this fear that they may have or, or even conceptualizing what this is, um, it's kind of a prompt for a, a parent to, or a guardian to talk to their child about fear and interaction with other people. Uh, what are some tips that you could have or that you can provide for parents or guardians uh, to address the fears of, you know, the unknown at this point? Uh, I would, I would say, keep it simple. Um, just be very um, brief, uh, reassure uh, your child that um, everyone is doing their best to keep uh, everyone safe answer their questions as best you can. And if you can't answer them, be honest and, you know, say that you, you don't have an answer for that. Uh, I had a funny <laughs> happening the other day uh, in kids camp. One of the uh, little people said, how come you don't have Corona in your classroom, <laughs> which is where we meet for our group. And um, oh, that's a very good question. How am I going to answer this? And, and I just explained to him that, you know, uh, it's not that we don't have it, but we're doing, you know, and I listed all of the precautions that we're taking to keep that um, risk very low. Uh, so they will, they are, and that satisfied, uh, that satisfied him. Um, so I, that's why I say just kind of keep it short and sweet. And a few facts sprinkled in there, right. you know, sanitizing and so on and wearing masks. And that's why in our van that we transport, um, the children in, we have to have them wear the masks. And that, that's another uh, issue that I refer back to when I answer those questions. And they usually are, I mean, this is the normal for them now. So they're probably pretty used to it at this point. Yes. Um, it took a while. The first while. couple of weeks, they really fought me on it. But with persistence, they, they, they're doing a really good job. Um, one of our uh, case managers, Emily, uh, posted... Um, just wanted to say that that we'll have some additional group days later in the summer and are working on some other more local options as well. So um, a great place to follow uh, those kinds of updates are is our Facebook page. Um, so if you're watching, you're probably already on there, I assume. Um, so look there for updates uh, on new services and new groups that are going to be coming up. Um, that's the first place we'll post them. We'll also post those things on our uh, on our website as well. CMHDover.org. Um, that's as of right now, all the submitted questions that we have, um, like I said, we covered a lot of area in, in some 
questions answered a lot of questions, um, or some answers answered a lot of questions. Um, I do want to take a little time, um, and again, um, oh, here's another question we have coming up. Uh, I didn't scroll far enough. Um, this is pertaining to anxiety in children, um, and anxiety is probably one of the top uh, diagnoses that a, that a child and a student have. Um, and I think it, I'm not the professional here, but that can be um, linked to a lot of things, whether it's school performance, athletic performance, uh, home situations. Um, the specific question here was, what, what does that look like? What's the difference between uh, you know, the, the display of warning signs um, in a four-year-old versus say like a 14-year-old? Like what's that, what's, that, what's that change look like? Um, I think, you know, actually, I think there's um, a lot of overlap. Um, typically, though, in a, a four-year-old, you would see um, a lot of regression. So say, for instance, a four-year-old is potty trained, they might revert back to having accidents and losing control over their, um, that, that functioning. Uh, so you would see, you know, aggressive behaviors, maybe um, sucking, sucking their thumbs, sucking their fingers, um, twirling, you know, twirling hair, that, that sort of thing. Um, you could also see a lot of, you know, temper outbursts, a lot of meltdowns, um, because a four-year-old isn't going to articulate, you know, gee, I'm feeling nervous today. Right. Uh, so it comes out through behaviors. Um, 14 year olds can, uh, have a lot of, you know, similar behaviors as well. Similar symptoms. Um, a lot of anxiety, um, shows itself as, uh, temper outbursts, uh, even in teenagers. Uh, and one in four across our country, one in four children have a diagnosable anxiety disorder, um, because of just the, the nature of our wor world these days. So it is extremely common. Um, so I guess I didn't answer for teens, but yeah, you would see you know meltdowns, lashing out, verbal um, explosions, physical explosions. You know, internalization as well, or even internalizing. The opposite of that, right? Yes, thank right. you. Internalizing, somatic, you know, stomach aches, um, headaches, fatigue. Look for those symptoms. Okay, um, Gabrielle, again, I. Appreciate you uh, asking, sir, asking about our services. Um, and this again goes back to the COVID uh, issue. Um, what kind of grief services uh, do we offer for those who may have lost a loved one to COVID? And I think that really applies even outside of COVID, uh, just grief counseling in general. And I think Gwen, um, could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, all of all of our counselors. Uh, you know, dealing with 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 grief uh, and mourning is is going to be within their scope. Uh, so, you know, each individual's experience is going to be very different, though. Uh, so, you know, one of the first things that happens when an individual comes into counseling uh, is a conversation with that counselor about what goals uh, they have for themselves, uh, you know, what strategies uh, are going to work best for them. Uh, so there's no one-size-fits-all approach, uh, nor should there be. It's, it's very individualized. Um, but uh, absolutely, you know, that's uh, something that our, our counselors work with quite a bit, uh, not necessarily uh, related to COVID. Um, and that's a good thing, I, I guess. Right. But, uh, 
uh, just, you know, grief and, and mourning in general. It's a very common human experience. Right. Um, yeah, I think it goes back to the point where um, it's not always a, a diagnosis uh, in behavioral health. Sometimes it's, it's a period of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes anxiety is temporary. Uh, sometimes you just need, you know, the line is you're not born with all the tools to get through life. Uh, and there are many ways to find uh, those connections, whether it's faith-based or counseling or, or a good, strong family unit. Uh, but if you don't have one of those, you know, counseling is here too, uh, and can actually play a partner with those other parts. Um, it's a great way to put it. So um, I just go back to the, and you kind of mentioned this before, and it's a question that we've had in the past. Um, you know, when you walk in the front door or you have your first sit down with somebody, um, what, what is, what is that like? Um, and again, it's individualized, you know, there's no cookie cutter way to, uh, to dig into, uh, the mind. Uh, it takes a little bit of digging. It takes a little bit of time. It takes some conversation. Um, it takes some observation. Um, but everybody who comes in, we're addressing as an individual, uh, and, and, working with them to figure out uh, the best way to develop coping mechanisms or, or deal with the situation. Yeah. Uh, it's, hand, a, so. it's a mutual journey, you know, and, and a counselor is, uh, you know, walking that journey with you. They're not, they're not you know, pushing you where you don't want to go. They're not, they're not doing it for you. They're teaching you uh, the skills you need to be your best you. Right. It's a partnership. It's not a, yeah. this is how you do it. Right. Um, you're welcome, Wendy. Thank you for watching. Um, Diana, hi. Um, Diana Smith uh, asked a question. What advice uh, would you give parents on how to deal with recent deaths of young children here in Tuscross County? And, and not just Tuscross County, but... Recent anywhere. deaths of young children. That's right. That, that's, that's Obviously a, a tragedy. That's tragic, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, you know, counseling um, is essential, I, 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 would, I would say, uh, for a loss of that magnitude. Um, you know, we do have uh, some uh, counselors that specialize more uh, in trauma, um, and that would certainly uh, be, uh, I can't even imagine, a, an extremely traumatic event. Um, there are also some local support groups, I know, uh, also, that, um, you know, really uh, focus on, on parents that have lost children. Uh, the single most important thing would, would be to just reach out and, and make connections, whether it's with family, friends, professionals. Um, you know, I, I think that 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 pulling within uh, of oneself, that isolating uh, behavior that can happen after a severe trauma is, is probably the worst thing uh, that an individual can do. Um, you know, to, to remain alive yourself, you've got to make those living connections uh, with other people. Uh, thank you, Diana. And hopefully I'll see you soon. It's been a while. So, um, we have another question about substance use, uh, in adolescent or teen teenagers, usually teenagers, uh, but not necessarily, uh, sometimes there are younger kids who get into that too, uh, just by circumstances or households. Um, what are some early signs that, um, you know, with the rise of, uh, vaping pens and discreet ways of, of, uh, using marijuana, um, you know, drinking has always been around. Um, what are some, some warning signs specific to uh, substance use? And, and let's just focus on the adolescent, I think, uh, high school or middle school age. 
uh, <clears throat> again, substance abuse isn't my uh, strong suit, not my uh, specialty area. So, Gwen, you jump in there if you if I'm missing anything. But I would say, you know, again, change drastic changes in behavior. I mean, and it starts out subtle. So, um, I, but it can also, you can have drastic changes in behaviors. I would say that would be first and foremost um, to look for, um, you know, sneaking out, uh, being um, secretive, um, isolating a lot. Uh, and of course, you know, the obvious, if you're seeing paraphernalia, um, Things that just seem odd to you. New groups of friends is kind of probably a new thing too. friends, right. yes. Um, if, if something isn't, you know, pay attention to your gut. If something seems odd or strange, like why does my child have a ton of tin foil in their room? Um, pursue it, you know. Right. Don't just dismiss your, your gut reactions. So I, I would say those would be I would agree. Quite a I would few. agree. And even, you know, changes in their physical appearance. Right. Um, you know, loss of interest things that they used to enjoy. I, and, you know, I, I think that there's a, a, a fear sometimes for, of parents to, to just come right out and say, are you using drugs? Right. And, and you can ask that question. You and should you probably ask get a, that. Even if they say no, you could probably read a lot in the body language yeah. on how they say it, right? Yeah. You, those are conversations you, you got to have with your kids. And, you know, if it's not a conversation that you've had with them uh, all along about, you know, the risks and dangers of drug use, uh, now's the time to, to start that if you, if you suspect it. Right. And, you know, it, a lot of the, the, the symptoms or warning signs that, signs that she mentioned can also be warning signs of behavioral health and, and mental health issues too. Uh, so sometimes it, it's difficult to tell which is which and what's causing, uh, you know, the, the, the things you're seeing, but that might be when you do need a professional to help you Right. Yeah. And it it may not be able to get the child in, but you can bring yourself in and talk and learn some ways to communicate with your child. Absolutely. Um, And I'd also um, mention the Anti-Drug Coalition uh, focuses a lot on the prevention um, and getting education in the schools um, before it starts. So um, talking not after the fact or after you suspect it, but also focusing on that conversation before uh, possibly happens having an open dialogue about the the harmful effects, uh, especially at adolescent in that growing stage uh, of alcohol, of cigarettes and, and nicotine and all those things. Uh, marijuana seemed to be probably the biggest ones. Um, you know, the study drugs and all that stuff. It's okay to have those open conversations with them. Um, probably younger than you think you can. Yeah. Um, you know, with the world as accessible as it is through uh, social media and everything else, they're getting this. Uh, way earlier than than anybody before basically my generation you know we didn't we were lucky not to have the internet uh too too accessible to us um <laughs> i guess but um there's some good things about it obviously uh but yeah not being afraid to have that conversation straight up and just say um you know what the dangers are um and pathways to those so um that about wraps it up. Um, unless we get a couple questions in, uh, as I'm going to f- wrap up a little bit, um, and just give some numbers and some places to, uh, uh, to look, I will say, um, 
going back to the fear of COVID-19 and just touching on that again, because we are deep in the, in the midst of it. Um, a lot of that fear is based on the unknown. Um, one thing that at the health center, community family health center, it's located, um, it's behind Taco Bell off the boulevard. Uh, it's the easiest way to find it. It's on uh, South Bellevue Avenue, um, kind of by the hospital. Um, we're offering antibody tests for COVID-19 and also the nasal swabs. Uh, so the antibody test will let you know if you've had it in the past. Uh, that does not mean that, and we don't know uh, if that means you can get it again. Um, obviously these things mutate and we don't have a, a real understanding of how this uh, virus works, but we can at least identify if you've had it in the past. Uh, and we're also doing the nasal swabs. Um, thankfully we've, we've got a test that doesn't go all the way to the back of your head. Uh, we have one, it's just a roll, it's a front of the nasal cavity uh, swab. Um, and it's just as accurate and can show if you have uh, the, the currently uh, are, are fighting that uh, illness. So um, if people are interested in getting that, um, it's been really popular. Uh, we've had a lot of people come through for that service. Um, if you want more information about that, call our health center and boy, 330-365-1781. Uh, um, and we'll get you in uh, pretty quick for that. Um, uh, Jim says drugstores have drug tests uh, that a parent can purchase too. Um, going back to the other question, uh, there are over-the-counter drug tests uh, that parents can, that can cause a whole, <laughs> that could cause some troubles as well, uh, <laughs> trying to get your child to take one of those. But um, that's, again, a counselor can help you with that conversation as well. So um, it looks like our, our, we're about to an hour, about 50 minutes. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching and thank you, Gwen and Stephanie, for uh, spilling your minds. Um, uh, if you have any questions, again, uh, you can visit our website. That's cmhdover.org. Uh, you can always call our um, our main line. Again, it's 330-343-6631. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for watching and uh, don't forget to wash your hands. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm.